Thank you for joining the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Northwestern Division for today's Missouri River Basin Water Management Conference Call and Webinar. These updates have been held monthly from January, usually through June, since 2012. Those invited to attend include congressional representatives, tribal and state and local government officials to include emergency managers, local levy sponsors, and the media. Nearly 900 invitations are sent for this call each month. Today we provide an update on the Corps' actions in the basin with regard to Missouri River operations, flood recovery operations, and support to local communities, states, and the tribes. I'm Eileen Williamson, and I will be moderating today's call. Slides from today's call are available on our website at www.nwd-mr.usace.army.mil/rcc/slash and they will be linked in a press release that will go out later today. These calls are recorded and placed on the Defense Video and Imagery Distribution System at www.ddidshub.net slash unit slash USACE NWD. Your participation acknowledges your consent to be recorded. For the convenience of our media representatives, the final slide in this presentation includes each speaker's name, title, and contact information. All lines have been placed on mute. When we get to the question and answer session period, to unmute your line to ask a question, press star six. Please be aware that the forced mute function does not work on all phones, so if I ask, please use your phone's own mute function to avoid interrupting the call. Do not place the call on hold. Calls for questions will not be part of the recording if none are asked. Also joining us today is Ms. Beth Coffey, Director of Programs from the Northwestern Division, and the full agenda includes Doug Cluck from NOAA with the Climate Outlook, Kevin Lau from the National Weather Service with Space and Conditions and Flood Outlook, Missouri River Water Management Staff with the 2020 runoff forecast and reservoir regulation details, and updates from the Omaha and Kansas City districts on levee status and repairs. With that, I'll turn it over to Doug Cluck. Okay, thank you, Eileen. And uh, can you, I hope everybody can hear me. We got you, and I am with your first slide. All right, thank you so much. I can see it. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is Doug Cluck from NOAA uh, here in Kansas City. I'm going to give a, a brief summary of uh, the conditions we've seen uh, over the last few months and then uh, sort of dive into the outlook uh, portion. So on this first slide, we're looking back 90 days uh, with precipitation percent, percent of normal precipitation on the upper left. Um, you can see a <clears throat> pretty broad area of above normal precipitation across uh, most of South Dakota and eastern North Dakota. Um, some drier conditions as you uh, as you head sort of down basin, uh, if you will. Uh, but uh, these were a series of storms, mostly snowstorms, blizzards, that kind of stuff. Uh, that led to that above normal precipitation over the last 90 days uh, in that in that area, and if we looked at the temperatures over the uh, entire Missouri basin uh, down lower right, you'll see that they're pretty close to normal. The yellow is pretty close to normal, and the light green is actually uh, also pretty close. So we really didn't have uh, an amazingly hot or cold. Um, fall, if you will, or late into into winter. So next slide. Looking back 30 days, more or less, here we see a lot more, again, the left figure there shows percent of normal precipitation. And anywhere you see the blues and greens and purples, 
that's above normal precipitation over the last 30 days. So it got pretty wet toward the end of the period there the last uh, in December. Again, series of a few snowstorms and a rainstorm uh, pretty much for uh, um, you know Kansas, uh, eastern Nebraska, that area. But uh, north of that region was mostly snow at that point. Temperatures on the lower show, uh, temperatures were anything that's not green is above normal, so yellow to orange to red. Uh, a lot above normal temperatures through most of December and early uh, January uh, that we've been seeing. So uh, I guess that's good and bad depending on what you're looking at. Next slide. Uh, last seven days have been very warm, uh, especially in the upper basin, Montana, uh, east to North Dakota, uh, some of those temperatures are 15 degrees above normal for that period, that seven-day period there. Um, there was some ice breakup due to those warmer temperatures and some issues caused by that, but I'm going to show you that that certainly will not last uh, in, the, in the outlook. So let's go to the next slide. Um, what, and this is just looking back over the year of 2019 <clears throat> and this is through the end of November we don't have the December numbers all figured out actually they'll probably be out in public uh, but tomorrow but as of the end of November uh, the, the uh, picture on the uh, graphic on the left is temperatures uh, statewide average temperatures you can see South Dakota most of the Missouri Basin was below normal in terms of temperatures for the year uh, more importantly, perhaps, is the graphic on the lower right showing um, those green colors where if it's really dark green, it's the record wettest it's ever been January through November uh, of 2019 in um, a number of states. And the states surrounding them weren't too shabby either, uh, close to record uh, wetness. So that's what we're sort of dealing with now and I guess the concern going into the spring a little bit uh, with uh, – remaining or antecedent uh, wetness. And so, um, next slide. Um, looking at snowpack so far this year, and that, that sort of long elongated oval there is trying to capture most of the basins that matter for the Missouri Basin. Uh, you'll see some light blues, very light blues, and some green colors there, which indicate the greens sort of indicate slightly below normal. The uh, the blues and, and, and purples and such uh, indicate above normal in terms of uh, uh, snow water uh, in the mountains at this time in those particular basins. Really, uh, at this time of year, it's very early. Uh, we're not really even at the halfway point in the accumulation stage uh, in most of these sites. So near to slightly above normal snowpack is is what we're calling it, I would say, for now. Next slide. <clears throat> and here is the uh, Plains snowpack image, and the, that little black line that kind of cuts through south of North Dakota there uh, is the basin, uh, the Missouri Basin. Everything sort of south of that black line is uh, within the basin. So uh, areas of uh, eastern North Dakota uh, and sort of eastern South Dakota all have uh, snow cover, or at least they did as of the 6th uh, when this image was created. Um, there has been some warmth, and some of this uh, snow snowpack has, been, has receded quite a bit over the last few weeks due to that warmth that we showed a little bit earlier. Um, nevertheless, there is still uh, somewhere between 2 to 4 inches in spots uh, where that sort of 
lighter shade of blue is. Uh, but much of the basin is uh, snow-free as well as you go sort of towards Montana, Wyoming, uh, western portions of those states, and certainly Nebraska had, just has a slight bit uh, uh, of snow remaining. <clears throat> Next slide. Uh, here's looking at the next seven days or so of precipitation. And for the most part, other than the lower part of the basin, uh, Missouri basically, uh, uh, we're looking at relatively light uh, pre precipitation totals, maybe getting into a little bit more in uh, Montana, some of the higher elevations of Montana and Wyoming. Uh, but really, uh, it's not the next seven days that we're going to be seeing uh, substantial wetness. It's a period after that, I think, that we're going to see more, more wet, wetter conditions anyway. So let's go to the next slide. Uh, here's the week two temperature and precipitation outlook. <clears throat> Again, this is just updated, so I'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment if I can. Let me just get this map so I can talk to it here. Okay. Uh, this is the, the temperature, temperature outlook on the left for the next uh, week or so, starting on the 14th, showing that uh, Below normal temperature, probability very, very high, especially for the northwest and north-central part of the United States. That's going to be expanded a little bit, I, I'm pretty sure, today, uh, further east and a little further south across most of the basin. So uh, goodbye, warmer temperatures, hello, winter. Uh, and this is a typical, if you will, uh, uh, Arctic outbreak. We haven't had any of those, or in, uh, nothing too strong. This uh, this cold air actually originated over Alaska, where they were where they were very very cold uh, for like a week or two, and it's finally spilling down over us now. Um, um, the image on the lower right is the probability of precipitation over that same period, the 14th to the 20th, and it is enhanced or above normal <coughs> for. Uh, probability of precipitation above normal precipitation is enhanced over the entire basin. Um, there's nothing really sort of concentrated like you see there in California or the uh, Ohio River Valley, um, but uh, we, we do expect uh, precipitation. It doesn't take a lot over a, a seven-day period like that, especially this time of year, to be above normal. So even if it's a tenth or two-tenths, that's above normal across some of those places. So not necessarily calling for a huge snowstorm, although uh, it does look like uh, it does look like there may be one or two storms that come through somewhere and drop quite a bit of snow. Uh, and I, I'm, you know, I'm just looking at the hazards uh, uh, map for uh, next week, and it's showing you know a band uh, somewhere, uh, typical sort of area of Nebraska, South Dakota, uh, Minnesota, Iowa, that kind of area getting. Um, quite a bit of snow uh, during this period. So we'll see how that turns out. Next slide. <clears throat> yeah, so here's the hazards outlook. This is what I was referring to a little bit earlier um, in, the, in the call. But that blue area that you see up there of much below normal temperatures uh, to the north, that has been expanded as of today, as of actually the last hour or so almost all of the west portion of the United States, so that kind of cuts down now all the way down to Kansas. So we're looking at much below normal temperatures across almost the entire western part of the of, uh, U.S. Uh, so big cool down, and uh, it doesn't show the uh, chances for snow in there, but it certainly shows that the Ohio and lower Mississippi 
uh, river valleys uh, will continue to get uh, uh, very heavy precipitation. Not that that's uh, of great interest to the Missouri Basin, but uh, I expect somewhere between the cold air and all this heavy rain, uh, there will be a snow area or two that is going to show up over the next uh, two weeks um, as storms sort of uh, move between, if you will, um, the lower Mississippi and, and uh, Missouri Basin. So next slide. <clears throat> Here's the January temperature and precipitation outlook, and these are all probabilities. So th the rest of January, if you will, uh, the prediction is for below normal, uh, better chances for below normal temperatures to our west, maybe up in the upper basin. Um, I think if we would, if, if the Climate Prediction Center would redo this as of today, that blue area there for temperatures probably would extend a little further east and uh, uh, probably a little further east, uh, especially in the northern plains. In terms of precipitation, uh, they have a bullseye, if you will, over Montana for above normal precipitation uh, for the rest of, or yeah, for January. I, I wouldn't quibble with that at all. Again, they might today expand that above normal uh, uh, precipitation a little further uh, west and south uh, as well from there. Next slide. The next slide is uh, January through March temperature and precipitation outlook. It hasn't come up yet on my screen. And I can I know I can speak to it just for a second if it doesn't come up right away. But uh, the pattern is basically uh, for colder than normal. The chances for colder than normal temperatures um, are elevated across the northern parts of the basin uh, through that period, January through March of 2020, um, and sort of equal chances of near normal, below or above for the rest of the basin, if I remember it correctly, and. Um, is, is, are the slides changing on your screen? Well, I've got the January through March 2020 temperature and precipitation outlook slide up. Is that not what you're seeing? No, nah, it hasn't transitioned. I don't know. Okay. We, we've been having some Internet issues off and on today where it drops off, so that may be. Okay. Well. Keep trying. Yeah, keep trying, I guess. Um, the precipitation outlook for that same period, here I can pull it up on a different screen actually, since uh, I already have the Climate Prediction Center up. So, the precipitation outlook for January through March is for above normal, the probabilities for above normal are elevated across almost the entire uh, Missouri basin. Now, those the confidence level in those uh, predictions or that outlook isn't extremely high. Uh, I'll say that we don't have a strong El Nino or La Nina, so we don't. We're not leaning on a lot with these predictions. However, um, uh, as of this moment, anyway, we're saying uh, above normal precipitation. Most of that will be snow, as you expect in Montana and Wyoming, um, across the mountains and uh, northern plains. Um, if it does, uh, certainly does occur. And then what does my next slide say? <laughs> is it the drought outlook? Oh. Hello? Uh, 
Okay, something's happening. We can still hear you. Okay, you can still hear me? Okay. Uh, can Eileen hear me? All right. So anyway, I'll just, uh, I guess I'll just try to finish up here while the... Is it really? Yeah, I think the drought outlook is that there isn't a lot of drought, uh, except for south, uh, southern parts of uh, Kansas, and that's not expected to change too much over the uh, over the next three months. And then I have a summary slide, more or less restating a lot of what I just had said. There's not a major El Nino or La Nina going on, um, so we don't have any expectations based upon that. We think it's going to stay neutral uh, in, in terms of, um, of of that aspect. Um, cooler to the north, uh, colder than normal to the north, and above normal chances for precipitation through the next three months. It's pretty sum, sums up pretty much all I um, had to say there anyway. So, and on that note, I will end and turn it over to my good friend Kevin Lau. Thank you, Doug. Can you hear me, Doug? I can hear you, Kevin. Okay, very good. I can't see anything that you're talking about, but I can I can definitely hear you. That's all right. Uh, I'm not too big on slides. I only had one summary slide, so um, I'll go ahead and, and get uh, get going. Um, again, my name is Kevin Lau. I'm a hydrologist with the uh, National Weather Service uh, <sighs> Forecast Center. Technology. And um, would like to uh, thank the Corps for inviting uh, Doug and I to participate on these calls. Snowpack conditions in the mountains can generally be categorized as near normal. Uh, the upper Missouri above Fort Peck and the Yellowstone are very close to normal. Uh, the Milk the, and the North and South Platte Basins are somewhat above normal. Uh, by this point in the winter, as Doug, I think, have, has already alluded, we have normally accumulated a, a little bit more than 40% of the seasonal peak snow water equivalent. And so, as I always say in January, it's still early, and much could change and will change. Um, the water supply forecast developed by our office um, just last week suggests that mountain runoff volumes should be near to slightly above average for the 2020 season. Again, it's, it's quite early to make that sort of prognosis with uh, good accuracy, but Right now, we're thinking that the mountain snow melt will be uh, near average. Plain snowpack exists uh, across eastern Montana and in the Dakotas, and as Doug said, uh, the, uh, the most appreciable snow water equivalent, that is the liquid content within the plains snow, exists only in the eastern Dakotas, where values range typically from one and a half to three inches. A couple of places have more than three. Um, Water year 2019, which ran from October 2018 through September 2019, was the second wettest uh, water year in the 124 years of records, uh, follow, or only uh, outdone by 1993. In the first three months of water year 2020, which is October through December, um, above normal precipitation continued across much of Montana and the Dakotas. And uh, given that uh, soil conditions are very saturated and flooding does continue along the James River in South Dakota, some places are approaching their 300th day of consecutive flooding along the James River. So uh, 
records with respect to longevity uh, are being broken along the James River. Uh, given the soil moisture conditions due to a very wet 2019, our latest 90-day river outlooks that were issued the last week of December uh, do indicate that there remains a high probability for continued or renewed flooding along several of the tributaries to the Missouri River during uh, January, February, and March, the next 90 days. Uh, for the main stem Missouri River itself, there's roughly a 50-50 chance for minor flooding to occur in some reaches below Nebraska City. And all of this risk for flooding is, of course, dependent upon the timing and locations of any plain snowmelt, rain on snow events, and just plain rain events. Uh, springtime flooding, as we all know, in the lower basin is driven by thunderstorm activity and is typical. National Weather Service will be issuing its first official spring flood outlook on Thursday, February the 13th. Again, February the 13th. And that will provide the first official National Weather Service quantification of flood potential for this spring and summer. And pending any questions at the end of the call, this will conclude my uh, flood potential brief. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> so we are back online on a cell phone. I'm going to tra I'm going to hand the phone over to uh, Kevin Grody. I apologize for the uh, actually to John Remus first. I apologize for the interruption. We have some work going on, and our internet dropped, which resulted in our phones dropping. John. Thank you, Eileen. Can everybody hear me? Anybody hear me? Yes, yes. John. All right, thank you. All right, uh, thank you, Eileen. Uh, good afternoon. I'm John Remus, Chief of the Missouri River Basin Water Management Division. Our office is responsible for regulating the Missouri River Mainstem Reservoir System. I will I will provide some general remarks, and then I will turn uh, the discussion over to my senior staff for more detailed information. As we begin a new year, I want to assure everyone in the basin that the Corps remains fully committed to our flood control, our flood risk reduction mission, protecting stakeholders when we can from significant runoff events that pose a threat to human health and safety. Floods can and will occur regardless of basin or system conditions, including ice-induced flooding during the winter freeze-in and spring breakup periods, and flooding due to thunderstorms, particularly along the lower Missouri River, which cannot be mitigated by the operation of the main stem reservoir system. Further, it is important to understand that the volume, timing, and location at which runoff enters the system significantly impacts the timing and amount of releases. Each runoff season or flood event is unique. Care should be taken when comparing one event to another. In 2019, a near-record upper basin runoff made managing runoff in the Missouri River Basin very challenging. People throughout the basin have been and continue to be directly impacted, some severely impacted. The Corps is well aware of the damage that this year's flooding has caused, and we are doing all we can to reduce the impacts and assist in the recovery. Last week, ice conditions in North Dakota required a small temporary reduction in garrison dam releases. This is an example of how ice limits the ability to evacuate water in the winter. Elsewhere in the basin, as uh, Doug Cluck mentioned, warmer temperatures and continued high base flows on many of the tributaries has significantly limited the amount of water that we have been able to evacuate from the system. We currently have over 700,000 acre feet of water stored in the flood control pools 
So this morning, we increased releases from Gavin's Point Dam as part of our efforts to evacuate the 2019 runoff and restore the full 16.3 million acre-feet of flood control storage. Additional increases may be possible. Even with these increased releases, excuse me, even with these increased system releases, all of the flood control storage may not get evacuated. We posted our first 2020 upper basin runoff forecast yesterday. The forecasted 2020 upper basin runoff is 63, or excuse me, 36.3 million acre feet, which is, if, which if realized would be the ninth highest runoff in 122 years of record keeping. A large runoff does not necessarily mean flooding. As I mentioned earlier, the volume, timing, and location at which runoff occurs is important. However, there is an increased potential for high flows and higher than average releases, and people need to be aware of this. We will continue to monitor the basin conditions and will remain aggressive on our releases to the extent practical. That concludes my remarks. Thank you very much. I will now turn the discussion over to Kevin Grody. Okay. Thank you, John. We are still having difficulty with our uh, with our webinar. Um, so if you go to our home site, if you just Google Core Missouri River, um, the presentation is on the main page called Basin Conditions, January 7, 2020. So you can follow along that way if uh, this uh, seems to be frustrating uh, for everyone. So um, I'm on, going to be on slide uh, 19. Those you we going to talk a little bit about 2019 runoff, and then we'll talk about 2020 forecasts. So the 2019 calendar year runoff summation for the Missouri River Basin above Sioux City, Iowa, was 60.9 million acre-feet, making it the second highest runoff in the 121 years of record. Um, it, it, this runoff was exceeded only in 2011, when we saw 61.0 million acre-feet, so just 0.1 million acre feet less. Uh, the last month of 2019 was, was very wet, as were most months in 2019. December runoff was uh, three times average. It was the highest December runoff volume on record. Uh, the uh, lower four reaches of the main stem system, so that would be from Oahe Dam down to uh, Sioux City, Iowa, set all-time record high December runoff methods uh, records. Uh, December runoff was above normal due to the warmer than normal temperatures, above average precipitation, and the very wet soils uh, in the upper basin, particularly in South Dakota. So now I'm going to move to slide 20. The 2020 calendar year runoff forecast, as John indicated, for the upper Missouri River Basin above Sioux City, Iowa, is 36.3 million acre feet. Um, and again, he mentioned, uh, if realized, this would be the ninth highest runoff in 122 years of record. Now, this forecast leans heavily on current runoff trends, the soil moisture, the plains and mountain snowpack, and the precipitation and temperature outlooks for January through May. Now, I'm going to move to slide 21. Soil moisture conditions are very wet in the majority of the upper basin, ranking in the 99th percentile in most locations. That is that dark blue that you see on the screen. And generally, when soil moisture is high during the winter, the potential for high March and April runoff is much higher. So now I'm moving to slide 22. Now, Doug Cluck already talked about uh, 
plain snowpack during his presentation. Uh, his was in shades of blue, mine's in shades of red. It's the uh, same information, we're just using different colors. Um, the plain snowpack, which typically melts from mid-February into April, is currently concentrated in central and eastern South Dakota and North Dakota. The National Weather Service's Plains snow model is showing one to two inches of liquid content or snow water equivalent over the larger region. And then there are spots of two to four inches in southeastern North Dakota and northern and eastern South Dakota. Uh, for those of you interested, the Plains snowpack in 2020 at this point of the time is, is greater than it was this, last, uh, this time last year. So now I'm moving to slide 23 talk about mountain snowpack, and again, Doug mentioned this was one of his slides, just a different way of representing mountain snowpack. Mountain snowpack is accumulating at below average rates in the Fort Peck and Garrison reaches. Um, as of January 5th, 90% uh, of average uh, in the reach above Fort Peck, and 93% of average between Fort Peck and Garrison. It is important to note that uh, more than 50% of the mountain accumulation period is yet to come in the next several months. Mountain snowpack normally doesn't peak until mid-April. So looking forward uh, towards the climate conditions, as Doug mentioned, uh, ENSO is expected to remain neutral through the winter and spring. What does that mean? Well, what that means is there's no strong climate indicators at this time to provide as much certainty on the precipitation and temperature outlooks for this summer and fall. So given the very wet soil conditions, the current above average stream flow conditions, and the temperature and precipitation outlooks, we are expecting runoff to be about two times normal uh, or two times average in January and February. We're also expecting March and April runoff uh, to be very high, uh, more than two times average, due to the very wet soil conditions. But this will depend greatly on the accumulation of plain snowpack uh, that we expect to occur over the next couple months. During May, June, and July, Fort Peck and Garrison runoff is forecast to be slightly above average, um, and that's mostly from that uh, average or slightly below average mountain snowpack. However, the lower four reaches, so from Milwaukee down to uh, Sioux City, we're expecting well above average runoff in those spring and summer months, and that's primarily due to those continued wet soil conditions. So in summary, the 2020 calendar year runoff is 36.3 million acre-feet. And again, as I mentioned before and as John mentioned, if this real is realized, this would be the ninth highest annual runoff volume in 122 years of record-keeping. That's it. Okay, thanks, Kevin. Uh, <clears throat> Kevin's Point releases averaged a record 37,700 CFS in December. Based on the updated monthly forecast, releases were increased from 27,000 to 30,000 CFS today, as John mentioned earlier. Releases will remain near this rate in order to continue evacuating water from flood storage before the start of the 2020 runoff season. Garrison releases were set at 16,000 CFS in mid-December in anticipation of the river freezing in. Releases were gradually increased to 24,000 CFS after stages stabilized in the Bismarck area, uh, with the exception of the reduction in flows last week that John mentioned. Releases are expected to remain near 24,000 CFS through February. 
downstream conditions permitting. Uh, moving on to the uh, monthly studies, uh, the updated monthly simulations or monthly studies were posted to our website yesterday. The basic simulation uses the runoff forecast that Kevin just discussed. Due to the amount of variability in precipitation and other hydrologic factors that can occur over the next several months, we also develop an upper and lower runoff that are then used in the upper and lower basic simulations. These simulations provide a range of reservoir elevations and releases that may be expected under different runoff scenarios. The discussion to follow will focus on the basic or most likely runoff forecast. Information on the other runoff simulations is posted on our website. Uh, I am now on slide 25. System storage is currently 56.8 million acre-feet or 0.7 million acre-feet above the base of the flood control zone. On March 1st, which is typically near the start of the runoff season, the basic simulation shows system storage at 56.5 million acre-feet. This means that the reservoir system would start the runoff season slightly above the base of the annual flood control zone, which is 56.1 million acre-feet but about 98% of the total flood storage capacity will be available at that point. Moving on to slide 26, and looking at the upper three reservoirs, Fort Peck, Garrison, and Oahe are currently 2.8, 1.5, and 0.3 feet above the base of their respective flood control zones. At the end of February, the basic simulation shows Fort Peck and Garrison may be about 0.7 feet above the base of their flood control zones, and Oahe will be right at the base of its flood control zone. Uh, now to slide 27. Uh, service level is typically used to determine releases from Gavin's Point Dam to support navigation and to help provide an eight to nine foot deep navigation channel downstream. The navigation service level at the start of the navigation season is typically based on the March 15th system storage. Because of the higher-than-normal runoff forecast under the basic simulation, releases from Gavin's Point will likely be at the expanded service level, in other words, above full-service navigation, to provide, excuse me, to evacuate flood water and to maintain some flood control storage space in the upper reservoirs. Monthly average releases are expected to range from 33,000 CFS during the summer to 42,000 CFS in the fall. Releases will be reduced in response to downstream flooding when appropriate. The service level for the remainder of the navigation season and the navigation season length are based on the July 1st system storage. Under the basic forecast, flow support for navigation would be, again, be above full service uh, flow levels, and in a full eight-month navigation season with a 10-day extension would be provided. Energy generation at the main stem dams in 2019 was 13.0 billion kilowatt hours. The long-term average is 9.4 billion kilowatt hours. The forecast for 2020 with the basic simulation is 11.5 billion kilowatt hours. Uh, moving on to slide 28. Slide 28 shows the Missouri River Basin weekly update, which is found on our website at the address shown at the top of the slide. This web page gives a general overview of the current conditions in the Missouri River Basin and is updated weekly, usually on Tuesday morning. Thank you, and that concludes my remarks.
Thanks, Mike. And we'll hand it over to Mike Doolin in the Kansas City District for levy update. Hi, thanks, Eileen. Do you hear me all right? Yep. Okay, thank you. Uh, good afternoon. I'm Mike Doolin, Emergency Manager for the Kansas City District. Uh, our Emergency Operations Center returned to normal operations on December 16th uh, after 279 days of continuous activation. Uh, although we have returned to normal operations, you can always reach the EOC by calling our 24-hour emergency line at 816-426-6320. With the Missouri River back in its banks, uh, rehabilitation is the number one focus and top priority for the Kansas City District. Uh, to date, we have received 111 requests for rehabilitation assistance. Uh, this is probably going to result in approximately 67 levy rehabilitation projects after bundling multiple requests for segmented levy systems. Uh, we have submitted 61 project information reports to Northwest Division for approval. Uh, 54 of those projects have been approved, and funding for the repairs has been received for nearly all of them. Uh, we currently have five of the approved projects advertised for bidding, and we have awarded one contract on the North Kansas City levy system. Now, over the next few weeks, we anticipate advertising several more of the approved projects, and we continue to work diligently with the levy districts to sort out cost share options, work through real estate agreements, uh, easements, and obtain project cooperation agreements. All of those documents are required before construction can begin. Uh, currently, we have 24 signed project cooperation agreements and 11 real estate certifications in hand, so all of those projects will be really close to advertising. And the sooner we get those documents back from the levy districts, the sooner we're able to advertise those projects. Uh, contractors are mobilizing now to continue repair work on four levy systems that were damaged prior to the 2019 floods. Uh, those are Cambridge, Labity Section 4, Berger, and Sugar Tree, all located in Missouri, east of Kansas City. Uh, four site showings are scheduled uh, to take place this week, one at the Mighty Levy District within Carroll County, Missouri, and then uh, Henry Pohl, Great Boland Schwartz, and Kansas Department of Corrections. All three of those are located in Kansas, uh, two of them in Atchison County, and one of them in Lundborg County. Uh, for more detailed information on each project, uh, you can visit our Levy Rehab webpage using the link. Uh, didn't look like it made it into the slide. Um, if you Google uh, USACE Kansas City District, uh, once you get to the website, click on the big red emergency management button, uh, then find the levy rehab link, uh, and then the, under that page you'll be able to see more uh, or more detailed information on each project. Uh, we plan to start updating that levy rehab page on a biweekly basis, and we'll eventually add in more graphics and details pertaining to the to the levy rehab process. Uh, conditions permitting, uh, we anticipate some construction beginning on the first projects that are advertised by early spring of 2020. Now, although we plan to see construction begin in the spring of 2020, uh, given the extent and the magnitude of damages, there's a very real possibility that it could take up to two years and cost nearly $100 million to fully complete all repairs. Uh, many projects will be done prior to that, but it is possible that overall uh, this could be a two-year effort. Uh, construction on the emergency measure to close breaches on the Big Tarkia Levee in Holt County, Missouri, near Craig, has been completed on both banks. Uh, rock placement on the left descending bank of the Mill Creek Levee near Corning, Missouri, has also been completed, and the levee district is currently working with NRCS on options to close the breach on the right descending bank, and right now that's looking like a realignment around the scour hole. So I'd like to thank everyone for calling in today. This concludes Kansas City District's remarks. Thank you.
Thanks, Mike. Uh, Matt Kraske, were you able to get back on the line? Yeah, hi, Lee. This is Matt. Can you hear me? Yep, we got you. Okay, good, thanks. Yeah, this is Matt Kraske, uh, Readiness Branch Chief um, in the Omaha District. The Omaha District Emergency Operations Center continues to monitor basic conditions in all the states within our district boundaries, and we changed our activation level of the EOC on the 23rd of December 2019, and we are currently at level four normal operation. That concluded 287 days of the EOC being activated. To date, we have completed 21 initial breach closures within the Omaha District's AOR, and we have 12 remaining. There's an additional 16 breaches on federal levies within the AOR that are on systems that are inactive in the PL8499 program and therefore are ineligible for federal assistance. Since our last call, seven more breaches on the Missouri River levies have been closed. This includes the outlet breach on levy 611614 south of Council Bluffs, three breaches on levy unit L575 near Hamburg, Iowa, and three breaches on levy L550 near Watson, Missouri. Those were just closed this weekend. One outlet breach remains on L575, and we anticipate initial closure later this month. Two outlet breaches on L550 remain, and we anticipate initial closure of those sometime near the beginning of April. We've also been able to award several more construction contracts over the past month. These include a $9.2 million contract that was awarded yesterday for repairs on the Clear Creek levee system, which is on the right bank of the Platte River near Ashland, Nebraska, a $6.5 million contract to repair the L561 Nisnabotna and High Creek levee system, which is a left bank tributary levee, a $12 million contract to continue interim repairs on levee system L594 near Thurman, Iowa, a $58.3 million contract for final repairs on the L575 levy system, and a $1.68 million contract through the repairs approximately 300 feet to the right bank of the Platte River, approximately a mile and a quarter upstream from the confluence of the Platte River and the Missouri River. This location on the Platte was completely destroyed, allowing the rerouting of significant volumes of water, which then began to establish a new channel to the Missouri River south of the Platte's historic path. Without uh, starting this repair, significant sand deposition could be realized in the Missouri River at the Platte-Missouri confluence. Due to site conditions and other considerations, the project sponsor and the USAID team have de decided to defer work on levy unit L536 uh, until early this year. A draft request for proposal has been sent out to a pool of contractors to get this work underway uh, when the plans and specs are prepared. Repairs are continuing on multiple tributary levies, including the Western Sarpy County levy and other projects that we have recently alluded. Projects at Cedar Creek along the Platte River, Columbus along the Loop River, and Scribner and Columbus along Pebble Creek and the Elkhorn River Ida Grove on Oldabolt Creek in Iowa and Broken Bow on Mud Creek in Nebraska have all been completed. For regular updates on our repair efforts to flood control structures, visit the Omaha District System Restoration webpage at www.nwo.usace.army.mil. Click on the red Levy Status Updates icon on the left side of the page where you can track status updates and view photos of and videos of our levies. We remain vigilant concerning the time of year and weather conditions, and we can't reiterate enough the life 
safety continues to be our primary focus of our efforts to repair the levee systems. We continue to work with federal, state, and local emergency management agencies to keep the public informed. This concludes my, con my comments today. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thank everybody for your updates. Before we move into any questions, the next call is scheduled for Thursday, February 6th at 1 p.m. Please note that invitations for these calls are sent to a blind CC email list, and we are noting that some email servers reject email messages as spam and are considered undeliverable. We need users to make sure that their email system is set to receive emails from CENWD-PA at USACE.Army.Mil and to be able to receive messages from uh, sent to mailing lists from that address. We post regular updates and graphics to our Facebook and Twitter accounts, which is at NWDUSACE, and we have established an information portal on our agency website at www.nwdusace.army.mil slash MRWM slash MRWMAPP. We'll now move into the question and answer period. I'm going to manage questions based on group and location. We'll start with congressional, tribal, and state and local governments, as well as levy sponsors, and then we'll move to the media. Please wait for your state to be called, and remember to press star six to unmute your phone. I'll go by state in alphabetical order. Please state your name and the organization you represent before asking your question. State of Iowa. Okay, Kansas. Remember to press star six to unmute your phone. Missouri. Congressional, tribal, state, local officials, including emergency managers and levy sponsors. State of Missouri. Montana. Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming. Okay, we'll move to members of the media. Again, star six to unmute your phone and ask your question. State of Iowa. Kansas, Missouri. Hi, this is uh, Dennis Sharkey with the Mass City News. I got a few questions for a couple different people, if that's okay. Yep, go for it. Okay, um, I'll start with. Uh, I'll go back to Kevin Lau. Um, you said, I believe you said along the main stem in Missouri, there's a 50-50 uh, chance of maybe recurring flooding in the spring. Um, do those chances go up in areas like Holt County, Missouri, where the levees are, are still open? Yes, um, that that that's correct. Yeah, wherever there's uh, levees that are still um, not completely fixed, then uh, yes, the chances go up. And the chances will also go up as we, you know, move into April 
and uh, May as well. Uh, so this is just over the next 90 days. So I expect the chances to uh, rise as we uh, go further into the year. Okay. And then um, I believe it was Kevin Grody was talking about the snow plane uh, or the plane snowpack. And did I hear you right when you said that the the plane snowpack at its current condition is more than what it was at this time last year? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to clear that up. And then um, uh, Mr. Remus said something about um, the increase the uh, outflows from Gavin's Point this morning. I was just curious what those were at this morning and what they've been increased to and how long they expect those to be at those levels. Uh, they were at 27,000 cubic feet per second before we increased them, increased them to 30,000 cubic feet per second. And right now we're showing holding that uh, through uh, the end of February. Uh, but as both Mike and Kevin, and, and as well as myself, said, we will continue to monitor that, and there is possibly uh, more adjustments to those outflows uh, in the future. But right now we're, we're planning to hold that uh, through the end of February. Okay, thanks. And then a um, uh, question for the uh, Kansas City District, a couple questions. Um, do you guys have a, uh, a final price tag on those big Tarkia Mill Creek projects? Uh, it was a little over $30 million for everything, at all three construction sites. Okay. And then um, as I was listening to kind of these updates, um, you mentioned it, it might take up to two years to uh, get some of these things um, fixed or replaced. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of those are in Holt County. Um, and then I was listening to the Omaha district, and it it just seems to a layman person here, um, it, it seems like a lot of the, the levees are getting repaired a lot quicker and faster in the Omaha district. Is is that because the damage was a lot worse in Missouri, or is there any kind of reason uh, this, for that? There's a couple factors that contribute to that. Uh, one of them being that, uh, and, and Matt could talk about to this too, but uh, in the Omaha district, they're dealing a lot with uh, a lot more federal levies that don't have a cost share component associated with them. Uh, so when you're dealing with non-federal levies, which we have most of in the Kansas City district, there's that cost share component. So if you do initial breach closer, closures and some other type of work like that, uh, it puts a huge financial burden on the levy district itself. Uh, so Oftentimes, it's better to just do the cost share one time, uh, complete the project, as opposed to doing interim or temporary work, uh, because all that gets rolled up into the final price tag. And like I said, we don't want to put that huge financial burden on the levy districts. And unfortunately, that's just the way the policy is written uh, with that 80-20 cost share. The other thing, too, is uh, even though we've got contracts out on the street uh, and, and, and we have more uh, getting ready to be advertised, uh, just field conditions really haven't allowed for us to get out and do much. Like right now, conditions are starting to look really good. So um, I think we've got ourselves in a good place as far as uh, having contracts advertised, uh, getting bids back on those, and then, you know, being ready to move out here in uh, February and March, start seeing some dirt getting moved. But uh, those are kind of the main, the two main factors, the cost share component and then just the, the environmental factors, how wet it's been. Uh, we couldn't really get out to do much construction, even if we wanted to. And um, you mentioned the amount of days the, the district has been in the active mode. That was a record by quite a bit. Am I correct? Or? 
Yeah, no, it was. I think uh, if I remember right, 2011 was 100 plus. I want to say 160 days, but that might be a little high. But yeah, 279 days, certainly a record for the Kansas City District. In in respect to Northwest Missouri, um, was the flooding in 2019 was it worse, about the same, or or not as as bad as 2011? Uh, I think I, honestly, I think it was worse than 2011, more prolonged. Uh, and just the violent nature of it in March. I mean, when all that runoff hit the system and came down, I mean, it caused very extensive damage. And not that there weren't major damages in 2011 as well, but but I think uh, I think we're seeing more extensive damage from the 2019 flood, certainly. Cool. All right. Thank you all. I appreciate it. I don't have any more questions. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Dennis. Any other questions from uh, media in the state of Missouri? Star 6 to unmute your phone. Uh, yes, Ryan Hennessy with St. Joseph News Press. Can you hear me okay? okay? Go ahead, Ryan. Okay. Yes. I just wanted to clarify that, uh, just because I kind of heard it quickly, uh, 2020 uh, runoff is projected to be ninth highest on record. Is that is that right? Yes. That's correct. Okay. Um yeah, I heard that the, um, you're going to do more runoff in January, uh, March, and April. Does that include uh, February to and more releases from Gavin's Point to kind of lower the uh, or you know, more of the water out of uh, the or through the basin? Uh, well, I guess can you, can you restate the question there, please? Sure. Uh, during the um, presentation, you guys said that uh, there's going to be higher releases in January, March, and April. I was just curious if it was going to be the same in February, too. Yes, our, our higher release is uh, the 30,000 cubic feet per second. Right now, we're projecting that to go through February, and then we would increase releases in March. Okay, got it. And then a, a final question. Are there any plans in place to either deepen or widen the Missouri River that you guys are aware of? Not that we're aware of. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Brian. Uh, any other questions? State of Missouri, media? Okay. Montana? Somebody's uh, got their phone off mute. It sounds like a, maybe a going in a pocket or something, may need to uh, mute your phone. Please check that. Uh, State of Nebraska, star six to unmute your phone. Okay. Hello? North Dakota? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, Phil Bergman with uh, Channel 3 in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, Question for uh, Kevin Lowe. Uh, we were just curious about the flood levels pertaining to the region of the Missouri River between about Pacific Junction, Iowa, uh, Pacific Junction, Iowa, down to about Rockport, Missouri, and just uh, where you guys see these water levels going throughout the spring period. Okay. Um, can, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that question? Yeah. Um, we were just curious about the river levels uh, between Rock. Port Missouri up to Pacific Junction, Iowa, and that portion of the Missouri River. So what we expect, what we expect over the next ninety days? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, give me just a second. 
Okay. Um, okay, I've got my my uh, outlook up now. Um, with regard to like Omaha, Nebraska City, Brownville, can you tell me uh, where that location would be of your interest? Uh, about between uh, that two, those two points you just mentioned, between Nebraska City and Brownville, is the region we're most curious about, and what your message is to those people down there. Okay. Um, right now, we don't expect uh, Nebraska City to go above flood stage uh, over the next 90 days. Has like a 40% chance of going above flood stage. So we would say that that's we look at 50% or greater as being most likely. Uh, so for Neb City, we see about 40%. Um, Hill, Rulo, St. Joe, about 54, 55%. So just barely above um, the, you know, where we would swing and say it's likely that over the next 90 days, those locations uh, would get back to minor flood stage, not moderate, not major, just minor. So bar barely over the 50-50. Okay, thank you. And then uh, for Matt in Omaha, we were just curious what your message is to the people of Omaha who are worried about flooding taking place again, and uh, how worried should they be heading into this winter season? Well, um, yeah, so this is Matt Kraske, the Readiness Branch Chief in Omaha. So as we reiterate and, and as we continue these repairs and, and on into the spring and next summer, you know, um, life safety is always paramount. That's always our first priority. And, uh, you know, we just need to make sure that everybody is aware of um, the conditions that are out on the river and make sure that they uh, follow the National Weather Service's gauge readings and, and are aware of what they're getting into when they head down uh, anywhere near the river. Thank you. Any other questions, Channel 3? Okay. Uh, any other media questions for the state of Nebraska? Star 6 to unmute your phone. North Dakota? South Dakota? Wyoming? This is Dota Heemster at Pier at Dakota Radio Group. Uh, question, not sure which one of um, the, the gentlemen this goes at, but of course uh, we're concerned about the Lake Oahe area, specifically part of Missouri River. Uh, just kind of could you recap where we're at with flows right now? We saw a bunch of snow early. It's laid off here the last couple days. Um, what are we seeing as far as flows? coming in at us, and then uh, what are we sending down towards Yankton and further south? Um, hey, Jody, this is Kevin Grody. So I could talk a little bit hey. about the water coming into uh, Oahe, and then I'll turn it over to Mike Swenson, and he can talk about the water coming out of Oahe. Um, so we are expecting um, a lot of inflow uh, coming into Oahe um, over the next four months. Um, but uh, with that, uh, the we don't expect the elevation of the reservoir to be increasing uh, because we're going to be releasing more than coming in. Does that make sense? So far. Okay. 
So um, we expect the elevation to continue slowly dropping um, during uh, January and February. Mike, you want to talk a little bit about releases? Yeah, so releases from Hawaii are uh, right around 30,000 average uh, for the month of January. Um, so that's about the same amount of releases we have coming out of Gavin's Point. Some of that water will go into refilling Fort Randall Reservoir, which typically gets drawn down in the fall and then is refilled over the winter to give us a little bit more uh, winter hydropower. Um, so, again, average Oahu release of about 30,000 during the January and uh, about 28,000 in February. We will, during the winter here in particularly, closely monitor the river conditions below Oahu and, and you know, make any re- re- release adjustments downward if necessary if, uh, if we get some ice development below the projects. And so we'll just have to... Uh, you know, be opportunistic in in moving water through the reservoir system uh, during those periods of of warmer weather and then cut back during the ice conditions. Does that help? I know Governor, somewhat, um, I know Governor Nome and the Senator Rounds for sure in South Dakota have asked that flows stay marginally higher this winter than maybe what would quote-unquote normal be for the Corps. have have you been able to do that? Is that still in discussions? I mean, is there an easy way to compare year to year at all? Hey, this is John Remus. Uh, yes, we got the letter from uh, Senator Rounds and Governor Nome. Uh, their request, uh, we were evaluating that, but that has really kind of been uh, overtaken by events. Uh, the uh, as Kevin mentioned, the the record runoff in December uh, has really limited our ability to evacuate water. So. Uh, increasing releases uh, to uh, for the purpose of creating extra flood control storage is just probably not going to be in the cards unless uh, uh, things turn around drastically in the next uh, 30 days. So uh, while we have that letter and we are going to be responding to that uh, here um, in the next week or so, General Helminger will be sending them a response. Um, their request has kind of been uh, become a moot point right now due to the runoff in the, in the basin. Makes sense. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jody. Any other uh, media state of South Dakota? Yeah. Hi. This is uh, Jonathan Ellis with the Argus Leader. Um, I may have missed this. This is a question for John. Um, You're at 30,000 CFS at Gavin's Point now. What typically in a normal year uh, at this point in the winter would, would we expect to be at? Between 12,000 and 17,000 cubic feet per second. Okay, thank you. Okay. Again, South Dakota, any other questions? Media, star six to unmute your phone. I guess to jump back on there, uh, what would normal be for Oahe this time of year? And where are we at? Uh, I don't have the average right here in front of me, but, again, that would be quite a bit above uh, average, I think, uh, our scheduled release today out of Hawaii is like 30 or 31,000, which would be quite a bit higher than average for this time. Okay. I can follow up with Eileen later. Yeah, I was okay. going to say, Jody, I can pull that and send it to you when we get off the call. Yeah. Sounds great. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Any more? South Dakota? Wyoming? 
Any other final questions before we adjourn? Star six to unmute your phone. Uh, yeah, this is Dennis Sharkey of the Mount City News again. Can I jump back in real quick with the uh, follow-up? Sure. Um, I asked uh, Kevin Grody about the uh, uh, plain snowpack earlier, and he confirmed for me that it is higher than it was this time last year. Do you know how much higher than it is this time than this, that, this time last year? Hey, Dennis. Uh, I could actually get with you later and show you how to find that information online. Um, I don't okay. have it available right now. I'll, I'll just send you an email. Yep, that'll work. Uh, on, on that, uh, the mountain snowpack kind of comes and goes through the year a little bit. Plain or plain snowpack, excuse me. Uh, kind of comes and goes where the, the mountain snowpack just kind of accumulates right. until sometime usually in late March, early April. Um, but uh, the, the plain snowpack can kind of come and go, so you might check it one day and say, oh, my God, and the next day uh, it might be a lot of it melted. So yeah. you have to kind of... Uh, keep track of that on a day-to-day basis to look at the trend. Over the last 10 years or so, the, the plain snowpack has normally peaked uh, in mid to late February. So that's really where we, we really want to see where the peak plain snowpack is, and that's uh, at least another six weeks out. Okay, so it's it's still too early to worry about something like that? You know, uh, there's there's still a couple months left to for us to get significant plain snowpack. There's also a couple months left for us not to get significant plain snowpack. We we uh, I don't want to use the word worry, but we monitor it daily. Yes. Sometimes multiple times during the day. So, so no pun intended, but it's very fluid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. That's all I had. All right, thank you. Any other uh, last call for questions? Okay, so the next call will be scheduled for Thursday, February 6th at 1 p.m. This concludes our call, and thank you, everybody, for sticking with us.